Hello and welcome to episode number 112 of Bad End Podcast. Yes, episode 112. I am Josh Calixto, joined as always by my lovely, gorgeous, beautiful co-host, Kyle Cooksdale. Kyle. Hi. How are you doing? It's me, the gorgeous co-host. I am sleepy and excited to talk about some video games. The lovely, beautiful, articulate co-host Kyle Cookstell. <laughs> I just feel like we gotta we gotta start like describing white guys as like gorgeous, gorgeous, the most gorgeous, articulate man, well spoken. Just start flipping. Remember that these. thing where that girl was like walking through New York City by myself, and like she was getting like hassled and stuff through the streets, and then there was sort of like. You know, a lot of good discussion about gender politics in America, but then there was like the parody video that, oh yeah, I want to say it was like, I want to say it was actually like the verge or something. Like someone did this parody video where it was like walking through New York streaks alone as a white guy. And everyone was like giving them high fives and like tossing him like free burritos and stuff. This was, was like peak think piece era. You know, this was peak think piece era. Oh my peak God. Think piece era. It was videos to make you think. You know, this actually just reminded me, this is, I, I swear to God, this is totally organic. Kyle and I, usually before the episode, we talk about a little bit about the games we've been playing, so we, we're not being totally caught off guard. I totally forgot that I played Shifu, Shifu and this conversation oh, actually reminded me that I played <laughs> Shifu. Um, good Lord. By the way, we got to talk about Shifu at some point. Um we could talk about it on this podcast. We yeah, have a we'll video game podcast, it. Josh. Did you remember that? We talk about, we on the game podcast, we talk about games. So if you I'm got a game that you want to game talk game, I wanna, game talk talk game talk. I guess, about, I guess I could get the, the Shifu shit off my chest. Wait, can I get? We can ease in a little bit. We can ease in a little bit. We can also, we can also talk about Vampire Survivors. I feel like that's the game, the biggest it? I feel like phenomenon it was the game, game last week. It was, but... I feel like it's the biggest phenomenon game that we should talk about for at least a little bit. Okay. I mean, I don't, what is there to say about this thing? Vampire survivors. Found? No vampire <laughs> survivors. Nothing. <laughs> it's, it's another thing where like, it's, it's a game that is, uh, basically free and it's like three bucks. It's three bucks, but you can also have like, like a normie person who discovers this game on the internet um, can play like the demo for free and get like a pretty meaningful experience out of it and not like achievement hunt or try like find the best builds because they're not losers like we are. This, um, okay. I have, I actually have a lot to say about vampires. So oh, you got some think Kyle. pieces in you about vampire survivors. I got some think pieces. First of all, this hey, let's, is well, ex explain the game a little bit for people who aren't watching yes. us on YouTube. So, um, which by the way, you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, if, you are one of our subscribers uh, and are part of our Patreon, patreon.com slash bad end. Uh, you can see us live. We'll post a link in our discord. But anyway, Vampire Survivors is, it's like a bullet hell meets tower defense meets idol game. I think it's like bullet hell idol game. The sort of the key thing about it is that it's dungeon it's, crawler, almost roguelike. No, you're, it's like, that's, they make a give you're, you're dressing it up too much. It's like, it's, it has it, elements what, what of all those things. Of, it's like less than the sum of its parts. It's sort of like, yes, yeah, very true. 
true. But it's in a sort good of like way. Geometry Wars. Like it's sort of like a flying around like 2D like mm. Geometry Wars style game, but you instead of with like power ups. But with power ups. Whereas in Geometry Wars, everything else just got harder. In this game, you get stronger. I mean, stuff gets harder too, but largely it's like you're getting stronger. And it, the control scheme is super simple. You can't like um aim. There's no aiming of anything. I mean, there's there's sort of aiming, but it's basically like the only control is moving. It's a, more around. alignment, aligning yourself yeah. in certain ways. I will say that it it has the roguelike aspect of you're yes. gonna be bad at quote bad at the game. Everyone that I've seen who has picked up this game is like in their first playthrough session ends up saying, I'm not very good. I'm really bad at this game. And it's like, no, you're not. You're not bad at this game. You just haven't <laughs> spent gold to buy upgrades that last you every run. And you think you're getting better at the game, but you're not. You're just you're just buying the upgrades <laughs> that make it easier for you to win the game. Um, that's the thing about all these roguelike games with persistent upgrades for me. Have we not found a better way to deal with this? This is not... It's it's an illusion. Persistent upgrades. It's a pro. It's a progress illusion. It's the carrot on a stick that's made to look like it's not. That's the thing. It's, it's roguelikes are supposed to be like, oh, I got better at this game. I, it's a hard game. It's like no, it's not a hard game. You just need to grind the right things. I'm like sort of with you. I think like it depends on what the sort of upgrades are because I think that there's a way where they just sort of tie normal game itemization upgrade stuff they kind of like front load it where instead of it being one quote-unquote run you do like the whole time like an rpg and you're kind of always getting better you kind of like allows you to like kind of do a new build each time and like smaller time cycles it's actually funny we're talking about this now because uh rebecca has recently picked up playing dead cells which i kind of like mm. play like a little bit of it but i kind of bounced off of it um so I was just like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, but it's been fun, like watching her really get into it and sort of like seeing a lot of the same stuff, but also seeing like Dead Cells is really great at, I think actually Vampire, Vampire Survivors has some of this too, where the sort of the nature of the upgrades you get are like not just percentage bonuses. They're actually sort of like manifested in some visual manner and they can like sort of just change the way that you move around the level which I think is kind of like the best ways that this stuff can work. Well, and I'm talking gives about you like the, the between run upgrades, the persistent stuff. Yes. Like the stuff that you buy with gold that you yeah. get in your runs. Yeah. That's it's weird. Cause like where well, this was, this was the shit that we hated so much about loop hero, right? Where it was like, like yes. in loop hero, it was like too obvious. You're like, okay, I'm just going to suck at this game for a lot until I get really good. It's almost like I want, I want to like, get some money up front so I can just like buy I, starting this. I stuff, will you know? say this is like the good version of loop hero though. Yeah. This game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's one thing that's really cool about this game. It's very accessible there. You there. Mm -hmm. All you use is the D pad. You do not need to press any other buttons except for like confirm in menus and you're just dodging dudes. You're just dodging skeletons and bullets and stuff like that. And that's, that's really cool. It's really simple. It doesn't demand that much of your attention. You can kind of have something else going on in the background and you just kind of follow along with what's happening in the game and you watch your, you get that feedback loop of watching your character progress in a 30 or so minute loop. Uh, you got this really like tight little 
arc of what happens and how you die and and how your weapons progress and stuff over the course of this one game single sitting and what you know you take with you whatever you know whatever happens it's just like a very tight experience that requires just the right amount of attention i would say so it's also worth saying this game looks fucking busted like it is not a pretty game it's it like it looks like, like it looks like trash like it just looks, it I mean, looks it's like a like, joke. It looks like a joke. It looks like a joke. Something you would see a mobile like, ad for this game, like Ebony or, or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you see like the, like the booby fantasy girl and then you actually go play her game and it's like, it's this, Farmville clone it's this game. Yeah. It's this game. It's this game. I think like I mean, one thing that's sort of like happening with this game, which was, I kind of caught wind of this. I have no idea. I don't, this is my, I have one example of this. I don't know if this is a thing. But I, ha- I heard somebody um, on a Discord describe it. They said, um, oh, like it's an IO game. Like, and I think that we're millennials, so we're not so keyed into the like IO game craze. Do you know about this stuff? No. What's an IO game? Oh, man. This is like. What the hell? <laughs> this is like when I didn't know who Ninja this was. like Roblox? No. So IO <laughs> games are like. Um, trying to think of like really popular ones. There's like, there's like balls.io and like worms.io. They're basically like, they're games that you go to a web browser and they all, they're all, they have all have like very simple domains. So they're like, like battles.io or like, you know, vampires.io or something. And they're, what they are is that, that you just kind of go into it and it's a browser based online multiplayer game. So, hmm. there, but there's very little sort of friction between just starting the game and the sort of like appeal of these is that you can just go to a web browser and go play a game for free um, with like, you know, a hundred other people or something. And they're all like, they kind of, I think they kind of picked up like a little bit before battle Royale games. Um, but they're definitely a lot of sort of battle Royale EIO games. There's like slither.io and like, oh, I've, slither, heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's like a whole, there's scribble, scribblio, scribble.io ton of them there's a ton of them and this i think this is like oh yeah agar.io oh i, I um, know about agar.io i mean i yeah, guess so this is like this i is guess like i know thing, about these i just didn't know them as io games so these are like really really big in terms of like younger audiences of people who like don't have access to like you know jobs to buy games they just like go and play effectively large-scale multiplayer stuff for free the dark secret of these is actually that a lot of them are not actually multiplayer or they're like very small scale multiplayer with like fake AI opponents or fake players that are actually just AI that they'll kind of like put in other people over time, but you can go in and feel like you're playing with hundreds of people. Anyways, what I think has happened with vampire survivors is that because it's at an itch.io domain, I heard someone else in a discord who didn't understand what itch was say that it was an IO game. And I think what's like happening as well is that because this game also has the production values of an IO game, which like are often look really cheap and kind of hacked together. I think that there's like this sort of weird thing happening where people who like don't understand itch as like a general game storefront are going to the like vampire survivors dot itch.io domain. And they're sort of thinking it's like the same style. I don't know. But anyways, like it, it's touching into a similar thing of like people who have sort of low bars of expectations for like baseline functionality for games that you can play online. And a lot of people are playing the, just the free version that's on itch inside the web player. And then I think obviously a lot of people are still buying the steam version, but it's sort of like, 
it's just this like weird thing that's kind of just like catching um, through like a million different ways, kind of right place, right time. Um, and it's like very unpretentious, which it, which I think really works in its you favor know what too. I, I, this is totally not hewing to your point at all. So I apologize, but it, this game to me feels like the game I wished that I had on my computer in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think it's like people who are like bored. Like, you know, ski like free there. Yeah. It's like people who are like bored in math class who like have access to a, the computer lab computer or whatever are like going to like itch.io and like playing vampire survivors. Like, because Did you ever play calculator games. Yeah, dude. TI 83 block boy. Classic block boy. Did you ever play Phoenix? Cla- you know, Phoenix. That was, was that the, the shmup. That was a shmup. Yeah, like the shmup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game yeah, yeah, yeah. was lit, dude. That game was crazy because I'm pretty sure the ship was like a third of the screen. I remember it being really big. Are calculator games still a thing? Like, are know. they still prevalent in high schools as they were back we should, then? And what are those games like? We need to ask a high schooler again. I feel like it's we need to get Luke Winky on the show to, have a, to do a story <laughs> he, about this. Does he know about the high schoolers? No, but he could do the research. He, this seems like the kind of story he would do. Do you know, and he'd send a, do you know anybody who still is playing high school, you know, games in high school on their calculator? Hit me up. I'm doing a story for Mel. That's true. Isn't Mel fed? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> probably New York Times, but now Luke Winky, former bad end guest, <laughs> Luke Winky. now writing Luke for the Winky New York Times, now dead. in the gray lady. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, there's a lot to be said about Vampire Survivors. This, I, the I fact that it's $2, throw $2 there's, for a video game. I think like this? this is this is like the this is the thing where it's like people get all excited about like Among Us and like Vampire Survivors. I'm like motherfucker, the game is two dollars. The fact what? that it is like two dollars you know invalidates so much about any 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 like criticism I've, or like like every single two dollar game is like worthy of talking about to the degree that we can talk about Vampire Survivors. I and disagree. Like, I highly the disagree, it matters, Kyle. I highly I dis- disagree. I disagree about your disagreement. You know what? It's two dollars. I have actually what, thought about this. This has is. been a thought that I've thought. This has All been right, a conscious thought in my brain. Is sometimes these I've played a shit ton of roguelikes in the past couple of years. Yeah. To the point where I've I almost feel like I've played every roguelike that is worth playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to the point where I'm really starting to appreciate the existence of something like Dead Cells where I've seen so many shitty versions of dead cells where I'm like, yeah. I, you know what dead cells is only special up to a certain point. And I think that's important to realize. Absolutely. But there's not that much else like, like it out there, which is something that we also talked about on the show, which is that video games are a luxury good. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, while there is tons of competition and there are tons of people making video games, not, as many people as we think are making good and satisfying <laughs> video games to play, which is why it's important to recognize when games are actually fun and feel good and are satisfying and hit those pleasure centers in our brains. And Vampire Survivors does that very well. I think that the loop is somewhat limited. You you know, your, your mileage may vary, but... 
you know, it's it's a nice like kind of 10 hours. I, I described it as kind of the ultimate jerky game, if such a thing was to exist, the beef jerky of it, video games. It feels like, I feel like it, it feels like a reaction to the like fucking craze of Battle Royale stuff that happened over the past five years. This game? Like, yeah, Vampire I'm not saying Survivor. it's like... Not saying that it is like it would state itself as this, but I think that some of the appeal here is like so many of like the multiplayer and just like game experiences of like the think of like the prestige AAA game or like the most of the big multiplayer experiences right now are like the sort of like the bar to like get to the fun is like pretty delayed in general. Like it's like you've got to go through at least Mm. a tutorial. You've got to do all the like bullshit to like get the the actual like lightsaber instead of having like the pistol or whatever. And there's something about this game that I feel like really hits because it's like no fucking nonsense. It's like press play, start attacking skeletons like right now. There's like there's zero friction to the whole thing. And I think that that is just like really appealing because you sit down, everyone's fucking burnt out from a pandemic. You sit down and you're like, I want to I have like a meaningful game experience or just like, I want to watch mm. number go up right now. And I do yes. not want to wait five minutes in a lobby. I don't want to like watch some bullshit cutscene. I don't want to like deal with the story. It's like, I want just right now, I want to attack a skeleton. And it's like, <laughs> what else? Here like even, go. even like I was saying, I was mentioning like yeah. dead cells, like even dead cells takes like longer to get to like the, the TTS the time to skeleton and dead cells is higher than vampire survivors. <laughs> it's like you press, you press play and you're like smacking yeah. fucking shit. Like it's like within seconds. Yeah. And I think that there's like yeah. a, I think that's like a really big appeal yeah. where it's just like, yes, yeah, fucking get in. It feels good. God. The like, there's the something to be said about nice. that. The fucking annoyingness of the triple a opening of a game experience. Very high TTS. Oh God. Bro, it's like, experience. I have to watch the fucking Bethesda <laughs> cube spin around for t- 15 seconds. And then this janky ass menu where there's like, Oh, smoke <laughs> is coming off a building in the background. I don't fucking care, man. Just put me in the video game. I don't need to see a building that's been destroyed and animated beautifully <laughs> this is like the the uh, the last of us every fucking war game like oh call of duty i have to watch my guy walking on a f- infinite treadmill <laughs> while i wait to get into a fucking lobby god damn dude it's it's honestly such bullshit with these games this it's like this it's like how everyone praises super meat boy for oh when you die you just immediately respawn this game is yeah, yeah tts time to skeleton <laughs> very low tts, low yeah. TTS. <laughs> god that's such a good point um i uh yeah i i am done i'm good to stop talking about vampire survivor um, I'll, I'll dovetail this into a game that's also got a pretty a pretty low tts which was yeah. exciting because I was worried it would have a high TTS. It's got a little bit higher TTS than I wanted, I'll say, but it's still pretty low, which is, um, I've been playing Ollie Ollie World. Do you know mm. about this? Yes, I know you, about it. I've played the have you OG played, Ollie Ollie, okay, but you have not played Ollie, Ollie Ollie World. So Ollie Ollie, for, for y- all Yali who don't know about it, is <laughs> a... Um, Ollie Ollie, you don't know. 
no. It's a side-scrolling skateboard game. Um, but the thing is that the it's not like it's not like a side-scrolling skateboard game like um, like Tony Hawk. I love Tony Hawk, but like in Tony Hawk, you're just running around, you're just flipping tricks, doing like every every trick or whatever. And Ollie Ollie, like it's more like skate. So if you ever played like the sort of OG skate games where actual sort of thumbstick position like really matters in terms of what tricks you do, mm-hmm. um, Ollie Ollie is like that. So like if you're like it's it's like non-trivial to like do like a 720 in midair because you have to like literally move your stick around like three times full, like through full rotations to actually like do do the thing. Excuse me, two full rotations. Um, but so Ali Ali World, so there's been Ali Ali One and Ali Ali Two, and they were sort of like, kind of like like visually they were like fine. Um, they were also really hard because of some of this stuff. Like in in Ali Ali, one of the things that sort of made it really different was that when you would do a trick, you had to like actually align your board with like the direction of the level. So it's very easy to fall. So they're actually really challenging. Like they're more like platformers than they were like skate games. All the other world is like way easier because now instead of having to land tricks straight, you just get graded based on your landing. So like you don't, you'll never like fall from like fucking a trick up. You can still fall from like missing a jump or whatever. Uh, but anyways, in this game, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you see this, uh, the style is like, way better it's like the best way of thinking about it is sort of like adventure time meets like donut county it's kind of like the the vibe of the game so it's like 3d but still in a 2d plane um and it's just fucking fun josh it's just like it feels good to skate around it feels good to get points there's like level challenges and stuff um and when you die like you just saw here in the video you can just restart there's no like you know, cut scene where you got to watch something or something's got to load in. It's just like you die, you restart very like meat boy esque. Um, so this game also has a low TTS time to skate. Uh, you just get in and start skating. Um, there is like a, some like story and like open worlds or not open world. There's like a sort of track where you kind of move between levels and like a world map or whatever, but it's like kind of whatever. Um, and the game gets sort of more ridiculous as it goes on in terms of what it's asking you to do. And in, in a very like, um, if you ever played like trials, like the motorcycle or motorbike game, yeah, it's a lot, it's sort of a similar escalation and stuff where like mm-hmm. first you're just doing normal ramps and then all of a sudden you're jumping through hoops of fire and then you're like in space. <laughs> it's just good. It feels, it just feels really good. Um, there's a really great like animal crossing style item customization system. So you can just dress your skate person up. Um, however you want to do, which looks as real cool and fun. Um, but this has been my like go-to like lunch game. I'll just like set the switch up, grab the controller and like get a few runs in and then pop well, and out. Switch has great TTS cause switch is great TTS in general. You just, yeah. Yeah. You just press the button and you're in and you're in, you're back. You don't have to wait you, like, for yeah, the, the sleep state. is just perfect sleep mode stuff. I will say I'm consistently surprised by how quickly the PlayStation four will get me back into like Sekiro, which is not meant to be the transition to talk to Sekiro right now, but I've been sort of pleasantly surprised by the PS4's ability to like wake and like keep state. It's nowhere near as good as the switch, which is like still bewilderingly it's good. instantaneous. Yeah. They, yeah. That, they need to come up with that stuff on PC. They need to find a way <laughs> there. I mean, I don't think that there is 
an easy way to do that, but it would make PC gaming a lot better because having to start the game every single time you want to play it sucks. It does. Got to see all those logos. But yeah, I'll tell you, if you like if you like skate games and you're like you're really hurting for a new skate game, Ollie Ollie World is really fun. I think it, I think I said this in the bad end Discord. I think it might be one of my early game of the year contenders. It's just like yeah, that makes sense. I mean, skate games good. are such a great. Um, it's got that tactility as a reward for execution thing going on. You know, yeah. Where when yeah, you yeah, land yeah. the move, you hear the, you know, the the sound of your just yeah. wheels hitting the ground perfectly, and you get that little satisfying pop. And Ollie Ollie is like all about that. It's like you do your trick, and you feel the input of how well you've executed it instantaneously, which is which is dope. I also uh, think just like having, there's not a lot of games I can think of that have. I guess like fighting games are honestly the closest parallel here where very specific movements of like the sticks mm-hmm. um, correspond to like the, like a consistent action on screen. Right. 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 So like, and this, and, and I don't really like fighting games, um, but this is like, it's really cool to be like, Oh, this is how I do a heel flip. And then every single time I do that motion, I will like do a heel flip or like, this is how I do like a no comply or like something else. Or like, this is how I do this grab and being able to like, getting the muscle memory of doing that and actually doing the thing and kind of seeing it happen on screen. Just is like, it's just cool. There's not really anything else like it. Um, so I, this is a game that from a long time from actually a few months ago during like Christmas, have you heard of true skate? I have not. My cousin was playing this game during Christmas called true skate. And it's a phone game. That's essentially like a tech deck but on your phone and it is like <laughs> seriously one of the what? wildest fucking things I've ever seen. I need to show you, you pull up just... a video of this. I, I'm trying to, is it like you put your phone like on the table and you put your two fingers on the no, phone? No, no, you like... just hold it. In your, it's, it's hard to describe what's happening unless you're actually watching somebody play it live. I guess here's a good looking video, but it's an actual board and you, you like put one finger on the board and you, you use your second finger to like push the board forward as if you're actually skating. And, um, uh, okay. Oh, you have like a finger on the board and you're like running your finger. <laughs> yes. Like as if one of your feet, one of your fingers is one of your feet and another finger is the other foot. So you would have one foot on the skateboard and the other one is pushing along the side of the skateboard and then to do tricks, you have to like do the actual motion on the skateboard with your fingers that your feet would be doing to do that actual trick. And it's just, it, it is actually difficult to learn how to play this, this would game. drive me insane because the worst phone gesture is dragging just hands down though. It's the worst <laughs> fucking yes. gesture. Especially so to like, in video games. Have you, in, in, yeah, any video game that's on mobile, it has to have to have me drag. I'm like, fuck that. I do not want to drag on my phone. I've got a big fucking thumb. Like my fingers, it gets the screen all weird and it's like too much friction or not enough friction or like. Yeah. And you're like just dragging your finger through your own condensation just, of your fingers. And, yeah, yeah. Just gross, grubby. Like watching this guy in this video trail. just consistently like looks like he's scrolling okay, through but photos. Did you see how he did a, a kickflip there? How he like. He, he like swiped. He yeah. swiped and then he did that. 
yeah, so there are sort of gestures, but they're, they correlate to the actual physics that it would take to do these things in real life, which is wild. And to see that my cousin was able to actually do these things well, when it was clearly something that I was having a lot of trouble doing was a trip because yeah, you don't usually see that kind of skill instantaneously. I keep using the word instantaneously. So this is just my, my word of the episode. Um, you just don't see it translate <laughs> that one-to-one, I guess, in the context of a phone game like this. Um, so I, this is not a true skate ad, but it, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool game. Um, I mean, it looks like it's well done just from the video. It's it not, is. It doesn't look like a piece of, it is piece of crap. Actually, very well done. I the graphics were blowing my mind. I, I'm not one to be impressed by graphics, but I was very impressed <laughs> by like, the graphics. That grip tape. That grip tape. This looks like game's it got grip. great graphics. Is graph praising 8. graphics? 5. Is that a boomer thing? It's not, it feels like a boomer thing. The graphics on this are crazy, dude. I don't know. I feel like kids are still like dick measure based off like graphics and whose computer is better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's more about frames now. Almost, it's more about it is more about frames. That's true. It's like, well, yeah, you're in 2K, but like, how many frames you get in 2K, buddy? <laughs> Does it run? T- is it 144 hertz or or what? Because if not, I don't care. You wearing your gunners, bro? I can't see that many frames without my gunners. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, you know, talk about some other video. Okay, games? I got Shifu. I got. Strange horticulture. Which one would you rather um, hear about? Let's talk about Shifu. Is Shifu by the people who did um, Absolver? It is the Absolver people. Yes, it's yeah. the Absolver people. It's like a it's Damn, a I French wanted, team, I believe. I was like so hyped for Absolver, and I got it when it came out, and I wanted to like it so bad, and I was like, I couldn't tell if the game was bad or I was just like too smooth brained to like get it, but I just got my fucking ass beat. So consistently in that game where I was like, I can't, I haven't played this game since the first time I played it. Absolver. Shifu. Have you, did you ever play Absolver? No, I didn't. This looks very similar to Absolver. Yes. I've, I've seen footage of Absolver and I know that I know you were super hyped for Absolver. I remember that specifically. Um, I think the reason I was hyped for it was because I hate fighting games but I was like, this game was like a fighting game that's like fun to fight in and not like worry about all the fighting game bullshit. And, but instead of that, it was just like different kinds of bullshit. Yes. This has a lot of fighting game bullshit. It's, it feels like. Tell me about about Shifu. What's going on? What what are we looking at here? It's a brawler. You're just Uh going around and doing some context sensitive actions and beating the shit out of people. But with a couple gimmicks, I would say it's, quote influenced by hong kong cinema but i i don't it's not good it's not (laughs) influenced well it's fucking cringe dude this game is cringy to me i don't know i this just feels like you're it's like your white coworker who's super who like really likes bruce lee movies and he's like i can make one of these and this is what comes out there's no I I love Hong Kong cinema as well. And I'm like, what fucking Hong Kong movies are we watching here where this is what you're taking from it? This is like the John Wick. This is what the person who loves John, <laughs> John Wick, Wick 
takes from Hong Kong cinema. It's like if you if it, let's just like put Asian people in fucking John Wick without guns. And that's what Shifu <laughs> is. Um, there's this weird gimmick where it's a roguelike sort of, but when you die, instead of dying, your character ages. Like in what? In like a year or two. Yeah. And you get your damage go your attack damage goes up, but you also take more damage. And then the more you die, the more years get added to your age until you're like a certain age and then you just die. And then the what? run starts over. But I I don't understand the importance of that or how it fits into the story. It just feels like a gimmick. It the game tries the next thing you're gonna tell me is that there's like a there's a card battle system no not that i know of but it's it's one of those games that is it read one too many reviews that praised a game for not being handholdy you know and there's just way too little tutorializing in the game for a lot of its systems the fight system stuff is well tutorialized enough and i suppose that's the important thing but there's a lot of like you're in your base and you have to look at the fucking board to make connections between the people who you're trying to kill and stuff like that but it doesn't tell you how to use any of this stuff or like there's upgrade systems that are like it's like the skeuomorphism of upgrade systems where there's like you go up to a tree and it show, it's showing you a skill tree and stuff like that. <laughs> but it doesn't explain really much of it to you. So I'm like, I, I you know, I, I appreciate that you're not laying it all out for me and giving me a 10 minute tutorial on this stuff, but just show me how it works, dude. Just give me like three tool tips, please. What's weird about like watching this video is like, so like Absolver was sort of interesting because it was, um, it was like multiplayer, but also like the world was, wasn't like boss fights, but it was like, there'd be a zone and you would have, you would fight like four people in that zone. Maybe, maybe three, maybe two. And like each fight was like actually sort of like Sekiro. It was like, it was like a kind of a, it was like a very specific test of like how good you were at that moment mm. to varying degrees of like actual fun levels. But it's like, there are four battles here that you kind of have to do and like, just be really good at the fighting system. And like, what's weird about Sifu from what I'm like seeing on the screen is that like, it's just like totally gone. And this looks more like Arkham Asylum or something yes. where it's just like a brawler yes. combat. That's got like way too many like systems on top of your combat where it's like, why it's like, if you're going to do this, like just make it be an action combat system. Don't make it be some like crazily intense, fighting system with like really important combos and stuff or yeah, just sort of like it's weird. There's, there is a lot to say here. I mean, for me, it does feel very similar to Arkham Asylum or one of the Batman games. And there are also similarities between it and Sekiro, but yeah. it just feels like a bad Sekiro. A lot of the time it has the fucking, t this thing that is really annoying me in these fighting, uh, brawly type games where you you're highly encouraged to parry except they make the actual animations of what's happening super tricky where it's like i'm gonna punch you and then it, their fist flashes oh yeah yeah and then yeah, it's yeah. like oh actually like i'm gonna 
go back with my other hand and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna lunge backwards and then strike forward and hit you it's like it's so obnoxious dude like this that's this real skill of the game is memorizing oh when he pulls back his fist he's actually gonna jump backwards twice and then he's gonna go forward and hit you or when he goes in for this attack animation he swings his sword three times and then I can go in and strike it there is I complained about this with Sekiro as well um but there's something that just feels more fluid about the way that it's executed in Sekiro something that feels a little bit more less cheap than this I guess I think partially because in this game you get swarmed so you have to watch out for like three or sometimes four different attack animations which to its credit is something that this game meaningfully tries to engage with in a game like Batman you typically just have like if you're fighting seven guys they're only like three around of like, them are doing Whoa. yeah only yeah. three of them are doing something at any given time but in this game you will have like five guys actually swinging at you at the exact same moment which is cool i guess but then you just get the shit beat out of you like instantly which kind of sucks about this, this game, game. Look, it looks like it would be fun to play for like 30 minutes and then yeah. i'm like all right the, like the body count just over the time of you talking about this on this video is like 60 people. Also, the movement, <laughs> like just movement kind of sucks. Stop fists. The movement kind of sucks. The camera uh, is a little bit too close for comfort. I felt really this. See this? It's it's a bit claustrophobic. Um, and to talk about the appropriation thing, which it's 100% one of the thing, top things that I was thinking about. I wasn't, I don't think about this stuff conscious, like super consciously where I'm like, this is appropriation of my culture. My culture is not a costume type thing. It's not that it's just like, this is so fucking cringy. And if you're going to take this, <laughs> if you're going to take Hong Kong cinema as inspiration, there are so many more interesting th- things that you could be pulling from that are not the things that they've decided to go with. It really is just set dressing. There's no meaningful engagement with it. And that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not offended. It's just fucking cringy. It's just not good. It's not well executed. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, what's it called? Um, sleeping dog is still one of the, the games that I think has done this the best. <laughs> We're actually like engaged with Hong Kong cinema in a way that I thought was good and cool and over the top and fun. And that, that game is the shit. That's what this game wishes it was this is a crazy thing because like i think that the people who listen to bad end and like like we're not really interested in this but i saw recently where this game has sold like five hundred thousand copies like somewhere in the world some people are just fucking eating this up which is sort of crazy to me because like i mean absolver especially was sort of like a like a minor indie release um so the idea that like this sort of follow-up is like why is it so successful? Is it like, is it because of the fact that it's just like appropriated? The pitch is good. Like the pitch is good. I think, it, you know, it's a brawler and we don't get that many good ones, I guess. Like, I think th- that's why I bought the game, despite the fact that I, I don't like it. Like, I thought that I would like this game and I just really did not. I, I really bounced off of it. I spent my own money on this game, dude. <laughs> you spent josh dollars on this game it's one of those games that like i'm going to play later out of a sense of guilt <laughs> and 
And, you know, maybe I'll come around on the combat at some point, but I will never come around on how fucking cringy the actual execution and the art stuff is. It's just, God, look at it. Oh, pendant and you're getting older so that you're like a cool fucking sensei looking guy which by the way if we're, we want to talk about mixing up uh different asian cultures like one of the first scenes is taking from the hall boy fight the hall boy hallway fight an old boy <laughs> the hallway fight an old boy it's just like a direct rip of it it's like okay first level you like asian martial just art burn it out scenes, right there yeah iconic stuff yeah no i'm not nothing else to say nothing else this is showing the age mechanic <laughs> age you're now 74 now you're fucking dead because it's like literally nothing about this makes me interested in this game i'm like this looks like just do yourself a favor and just don't fucking buy it just, just <laughs> watch hard-boiled or john wick for that matter that sounds like a video game strange horticulture also a video game Oh yeah, this is the you you played this recently. This was the, like the, it's like you run a a plant shop, but it's like eldritch plants. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Lovecraftian. Um, this the, this sounds very not Josh Core. I was very surprised to hear you playing this, or like that you were. What what inspired the the dive? I saw, I saw a video of someone playing it. I think I saw it on Steam. Saw it on Epic EGS. They had a nice little sale going on a couple weeks ago and I got it. Um, it reminds me a bit of, I would say, Cultist Simulator. Just the general vibe of playing it. It's very like mm. calming. It, it, it's like almost clerical work. Keeping stock and inventory and keeping track of stuff. But there's more behind it, you know? Essentially, you get these customers that come to your shop and they're like, Hey, I want some solomon scepter and then you're like what the hell plant is solomon scepter it's like you have it in stock but you're not familiar with all the plants so you have this little book you go through and you you look up the plant's attributes and what it looks like and what it does and uh you give them the plant and they leave satisfied but it ends up switching up where parts of it almost become like a escape the room game escape room type puzzles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and and that stuff is really interesting it it it, it has adds a nice spice a little bit of pepper throughout the experience that i'm that i'm digging and um it has that air of conspiracy around it like something's hidden behind these rudimentary tasks that you're doing like any great one of these games should do i think that's something that papers please did really well i was gonna say this looks like a sort of a <laughs> a please like it's a please a pee -pee. like yeah a please a, like a, a pee pee like <laughs> papers pleasian it's pleasian it's, pl it's pleasian <laughs> <laughs> no what's his name um pope it's pope-esque yeah popian yeah pope <laughs> pope i mean i think you, you look at some footage and it's you pretty much know what's going on but there's the story is fun to follow it's it's not too long for my what i can tell i think it's just a few sittings i've played probably about two sittings and i think the next one i'll knock it out it's it's chill and but it also has that sense of mystery around it 
So there, there's meat there to dig into. So that's strange horticulture. Would would def recommend checking that one out if this is your shtick. Um, hmm. Or if you need something between. You know what I got? Have you heard of Not For Broadcast? I haven't played this, so I, I don't have anything to I say have. about it yet. But I'm trying to play that. That looks pretty cool. Is that the multi? It's multiplayer, right? No, no. Not that I'm I know of. Different. Not For Broadcast is an FMV game where you are the person who is running the, you're the broadcast operator. So you have all the angle, the camera angles, like of what's happening on set. And you have like the sensor button and all this stuff. It has the look of a no code game where it's very like interface based, you know, mm, okay. where you're working with these interfaces, before. but you are, you're tasked with, you know, censoring things that are said on screen and showing certain angles and certain quotes and certain tapes. And you're kind of doing it real time while the broadcast is going. So you are, I, I'm assuming that there's going to be some sort of papers, please esque censor censorship stuff going on, but Pleasian. yeah, where, you know, where there's like, it's some Orwellian commentary on the surveillance state and propaganda and whatnot. That's sure to come in the game sooner or later. I haven't actually played it yet, but I have it and I will play it for next time because it looks really fucking cool. Um, but mm. it is, it's all like FMV acted. It seems to have like a sense of charisma and is not super self-serious, which is kind of what's drawing me into it. If it was, if it was um, <coughs> her story slash telling <laughs> lies type performances, I might not be so inclined, but it looks like a telling lies mixed with a no code style game hmm. with some, I guess, Friday okay. nights at Freddy's ishness in there. Not, I was thinking of do not feed the monkeys, which is like a similar vibe, similar vibe. It, and it's multiplayer. Interesting. Is do not feed the monkeys multiplayer. No, the single player too. There's some like multiplayer one that is like a similar, you're looking through screens thing. I saw it on like Gog actually, but, yeah, Do Not Feed the Monkeys is like a digital voyeur simulator where you watch strangers through surveillance cameras. Yeah, I guess this is like a little more like... Right here. Look at these clips, man. You're just going through the feeds. This interface stuff looks very Five Nights at Freddy's-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, rendered. But it's like, yeah, you have to put in the, you have to put in the tape to play the commercials and stuff like that. And then you have to cut to the commercials when it's commercial time. And it's just... I don't know. It just looks really cool. I don't know. I'll watch it. I'll play it sooner or later. Sweet. Yeah. What else you got? I played. I've played. Um. I've played. Josh, you're familiar with the Pocket Monsters, Pokemon. I would say I am. I played Pokemon Legends Arceus yeah. for about six or seven hours so far. It's so it's not the. It's not like the sort of like revelation that Breath of the Wild was, which I think is what some people were sort of expecting for um, this. The people who weren't just like hating on it, the people who were like kind of excited for it were like, oh, this will be like a reimagining of Pokemon. And what it sort of feels like is it, it feels like it's like a half step to that. It's like they're not. Um, it's so if you don't know about Arceus, it's an open world Pokemon. It's sort of like 
the op- it's like the Pokemon game that you would have imagined when you were like seven years old playing Pokemon. You're like, what if it's in like 3D and the Pokemon are around and you can like, you go catch them and like, oh, it's basically that. Um, it's like, it's like that. But the thing is, is that it's like, it's like that. And then like not much else. <laughs> it's, you're running around, you can catch Pokemon in the wild. There's like a very, very, very sort of simple town structure that you can return to, to like, you know, buy some items and stuff, but it's not like, it's like the vibes are off a little bit for like what Pokemon's normally supposed to be. And it feels like they're sort of stuck in this like weird area where they're still trying to like apply Pokemon concepts to a game that doesn't actually really want to be a Pokemon game to the point where like, what's sort of interesting about this game is that I think a lot of Pokemon games up to this point have been sort of very transactional in the way that you interact with Pokemon, namely because you're just cat, you're just catching them to do like battles. Um, and not only that, but like the catching part of Pokemon is often very tedious. Uh, and Arceus catching Pokemon is like very easy. Um, easy ones, especially like you can, you can like just go out to like the field and go catch like 15 Bidoof. Like it's fucking nothing. Um, and if you've like played Pokemon ever, you'll know that trying to just catch 15 Pokemon can take like 30 minutes of like very tedious work. So what they've done is they've really like sort of streamlined the process of like capture and really kind of leaned into sort of like strange horticulture ish stuff, like kind of leaned into this aspect of Pokemon. That's about like, cataloging and tagging and just understanding like the premise of the game being that you're kind of like, you kind of fell back into the past. And so everyone's kind of like just discovering Pokemon, which is like a really cool conceit, but then like you kind of want to like do more stuff with the Pokemon. That's not just like battling. Uh, and there's just like no real ability to do any of that. And it's like, it's fun. It's, it's really cool. Like running around and just like seeing Pokemon sort of in the wild. And being like, oh shit, like there's a, you know, X, Y, Z. It's not as like, it's not as like, uh, sort of focused as something like the new Pokemon snap where when you're running around in that game, like, because the density of Pokemon can be a little lower and the tracks are like linear when you're like moving around a Pokemon snap, like every level sort of feels like it was handcrafted for like the environment that that Pokemon lives in. And this still sort of feels like an abstraction in a way where like, the places themselves are like kind of sparse. Uh, and it's like, Oh, there's a field with like an Alakazam. And then, Oh, next to it is like a Bidoof. And they're just like running around on the same terrain. And it's like, fine, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm, so it's, it's, it's sort of weird. Like you, you kind of yeah. want that like environment part of Pokemon, which is so much of the, the appeal that I think isn't really captured here. And there are like different biomes to be clear. There's like a snowy area and like a water area. And like, that's like a thing, but it's still like, I would compare it it is still an open world. I would compare it to, I guess. So like if you want to make a hotel, right, Mm -hmm. you need to have Mm -hmm. multiple rooms. You need to have multiple bathrooms and you need to have the resources to make that stuff. And whereas if I just want a room to sleep in, I can use a tent, right? Yeah. If you want to make a Pokemon game, this is something that they kind of set as the standard decades ago. You only yeah. need 
just to just a little little pictures of the Pokemon and then just just a little world with which to put little people to talk to and then just the menus and that's all you need. That's the, all the infrastructure it's taken. That's why Pokemon yeah. has never changed because if they wanted to flesh out the Pokemon world, if they wanted to turn that tent into a, a hotel, they would have to build an infrastructure to support that, which is kind yeah. of what Arceus is doing where it's like, we want you to feel like Pokemon exist in an interesting world and are a part of this burgeoning culture and are worth studying and following around and interacting with on a non-combat, non-strictly video gamey, action gamey basis, which requires a pretty big infrastructure that, you know, it's it's a Zelda Breath of the Wild-esque undertaking to do that really, really well, I think, at the very Mm -hmm. least. And it just, it clearly Arceus does not have that. But I think as a lot of people have kind of said, it's a nice, it seems like this is like a starting point for them. I I think that they're going to continue to do this. It's a proof of concept almost, like a tech demo for where they're going to be taking the series in the future. Yeah, and I I think like what's sort of there of Arceus feels like Okay, this is like if they were to if they were to like really have the same concept of Pokemon and like start today with like modern sort of thinking about making a video game, I feel like you would get something a lot like Arceus and mm-hmm. you kind of like narrow in on other stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. Like it feels like the next game or whatever will be like provided they stay in this model, like it'll be like a lot better. Well, I think it's just hard because the Pokemon audience is so like demanding like like part of what i would think would make this game really great is actually like you cut the number of pokemon in half and make catching each like you could still kind of like make catching smaller ones different but you kind of center stuff around like bigger kind of narrative moments of capture or whatever Mm. or like you do like an open world style pokemon snap game or something like that's yeah that's like 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 if you if you had like the sort of fidelity and density of Pokemon Snap expressed through like an open world game, like that would be sick. Arceus is like not that. It's like it feels a little bit like a single player MMO that focuses around like capturing. And it looks like one creatures, and it, <laughs> it looks, looks like, like one. An MMO like it's not. Be, yeah, just say it doesn't look very good. Yeah, it, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like busted in a few ways, but. It's it's still like enough where like it feels like just good enough to like kind of keep playing. Pokemon it Legends like, I mean, granted, three is gonna be the shit. Yeah, number three, that's <laughs> the one. So mark your calendars. Whenever that comes out, the third one of these is gonna be really, really good. I will say if I wasn't like playing Sekiro right now, I would probably be playing this a little more because it's it's pretty chill. But also like it's got this thing where like you um like everyone who's been doing open worlds for the past like 15 years, like kind of understands like you don't need so much to, there's like things that you would do in an open world game 15 years ago that you wouldn't do today unless you're Pokemon Legends Arceus. Like going to having, having to like run back to the quest giver to turn in a quest. It's like that shit does not fly anymore. You finish a quest, you just like cash it in. It's magic. No one questions it. But in like Pokemon it's like weirdly sort of like diegetic where you have to like go get a quest, you talk to someone over there and you have to like go run all the way across 
the like fucking world map to go this other place and then go do the thing. And they have to go all the way back to like talk to the person mm. to do it. So it's got these like sort of like speed bumps kind of built in a little bit. Um, this is it, 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 luckily it's like, it's, it's not so bad to the point where someone's like, go get five of this item. And you've already got five in your inventory and they like, won't acknowledge that if they, if they will like kind of give you that stuff for free, but it's still like just enough stuff where like, like the room in this video right now is kind of this like Pokemon headquarters thing. And this place is like kind of big. It's like three stories, but it's like places. It's stuff is scattered all around and you're not really fast. So if you want to like go to this very specific place, you have to like go run into this you know, town to go run to the center of town and then like do a load screen to get into this building and then like go up two floors of stairs to go to this like very specific room to talk to someone to do like one thing. And then you have to like go all the way back out and do that stuff again. That stuff is like, it's, it's just kind of annoying, but luckily like a lot of the game is just sort of focused around um, like Pokedex related tasks. So it'll be like, see a Starly do uh, like it's wind gusts or like catch a Bidoof surprise or whatever. And there's like six or seven tasks for every Pokemon. So it's sort of cool about it in the way that like, again, it's sort of sketching it like a better, a better idea of a Pokemon game is when that actually leans into the concept of like Pokemon as creatures that can like be observed and like can do stuff. It's just like right now, like the stuff they do is pretty boring. It's like they attack or they like hide. Um, and I think a game that like leaned more into like Pokemon as creatures would be like really cool. Uh, but this is not quite that, but you know, it's, it's, it's a step. It's way more. I've like, I've not bought a Pokemon game in like 15 years. So the fact that this one got me to buy one, uh, I think is a, a good sign Yeah, for what it's worth. I'm so. excited for part three. <laughs> Number three will be the hit. And I also think that this will affect the design of the mainline games in its own ways. I'm sure that some of what happens here will inform mainline Pokemon games gameplay and or design at least i hope because that's also needed a bit of shaking up too maybe they're just like doing it in a separate <laughs> siloed off space with the velvet yeah, i don't know yeah dude yeah yeah uh -huh. but you seem to be, be playing a lot of sekiro at least i'm playing a lot of sekiro that's my like i was trying to figure out something to play i'd beaten bloodborne and i was trying to play either witcher 3 or sekiro and I played a little bit of Witcher 3 and I was like, I'll play some Sekiro. So I think I'm like, check out where I'm at. Um, the game is sort of like weirdly structured. Like, like just in turn, it's, it's more like, it's, it's not like Bloodborne or Dark Souls 1 where it's kind of like the levels like kind of fold in on each other and kind of very like obvious logical steps. Like you can very easily in this game, like, kind of go the wrong direction a little bit or like you can, you can kind of get lost, not like lost or, but like, and like dark souls and bloodborne is very easy to be like, okay, there are three specific directions I have to go. And like, and it's pretty obvious, which like one is probably the one I should be going on. This game is like, it's not quite dark souls two, where it was like a hub and spoke where you, there's like a central area and there's like always spokes, but it's somewhere between that and like mainline, Dark Souls or Bloodborne where you've got like 
Like, like there's a, there's a place in Sekiro, as you know, like Ashina castle where Kenichiro is like at the top, mm-hmm. but like Ashina castle is like really big. And like, when you get to Ashina castle, there's like, I can think of at least like four routes out of Ashina castle, three of which will take you just to totally different areas. All of which you can do before you fight Kenichiro. And it's like sort of hard to know at any given moment, like, where you're kind of like supposed to go. And there is like kind of a, there is still like a kind of direction you should be going. So it's sort of basically all that to say, it's sort of hard to say where I'm at. Um, but I think I've like, I just finished, I think the like, like Sin, Sinpo temple or something like in the mountains oh, yeah. <laughs> with like, the Oh, the folding screen monkeys, fucking, the crazy monks, the corrupted yeah, the crazy monks. monks. Crypto monks, because I I got to the the monkey, the big monkey. Last time you were talking about how you didn't feel like there was much happening under the surface and that it wasn't going weird places. That's where I I still feel like I still feel like it's just not like I think from software and the games I have played has really benefited from letting people's minds like fill their stories with meaning. And I feel like Sekiro is trying to be a little bit more literal, where I was like. I don't know about all this divine child lore. It's kind of, uh, seems kind of weird. Like you're trying to like rationalize it. Like, just tell me there's divine blood and have someone like laugh you in a corner should. and like, actually and, like that's, that that's like what I want. You should from, listen from, from to the bullet game. points episode about Sekiro. Oh, super culture. Maybe I will partner sister brother site, which I'm actually on by the way. Fun fact. Maybe I'll listen to that. Um, we got some good um, reads on it that I think it, it shed some light on the game for me as we were recording the episode. Reed had some cool things to say. I believe Dan Freeze was on that as well. But there, it, there's some depth there that I hadn't originally that hadn't originally come to mind for me as I was playing the game. But that is de- that's definitely there. There's definitely some really cool subtext that I was digging. Um, for hmm. me, the strongest stuff about Sekiro, I, I totally agree with what you're saying that the game is more quote literal, which is such a weird thing to call a game. And it's so, <laughs> something that you can only really use to describe a FromSoft game in yeah, yeah, relation yeah. to other FromSoft games. Um, because they do this thing where they leave a lot of room to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Despite showing you image, despite the fact that video games are a visual and tactile medium, I think that's one of the things that's really captured people's minds about the Souls games is that they leave that space to the imagination. I think one of the biggest examples to me is how there's like there's like a main there's critical paths in the game where you're supposed to like walk around ledges that don't look like they're meant to be walked on. Essentially your character, like one of their feet is just hanging off the edge of the stage. It looks like something (laughs) that you would do to kind of like hack in a video, like find a secret Easter egg in a video game in any other Mm -hmm. video game that is like main critical path in one of these games. And it just, it's not a secret in the most literal sense. It's not hidden in some like dark corner it's secret in this abstracted video gamian sense of the word where 
you are filling in that space knowing how video game language works and using that subtext and filling in that gap for yourself to the point where you are imagining this hidden passageway and this way of getting somewhere that doesn't actually exist because in your brain you relate the act of finding an Easter egg or doing this type of movement with finding secret spaces except that is like the literal base read that this game is giving you you know like how there's just characters that you'll just never find in these games that are in places that are feel like impossible to uncover typically Mm -hmm. granted what i'm trying to say about sekiro is that it doesn't it seems to lack a lot of that yeah like i think like the it's so weird like like I, i thought about this a lot when i was playing hades where I always talked about the cast in Hades being like one button too many. It's like Hades is a pretty intense like roguelike game and like the like just attacking and like the other stuff and like the powers were like enough to keep me like sort of at cognitive load to the point where like it was hard to do the cast because it was just like it was like one thing sort of too many unless I was just like spamming it or whatever in Hades to like get someone's health damage up. And I often find in, um, in like Souls games that items are sort of similar. Like in like most Souls games, I just like collect consumables. I don't ever really use them. Like I'll use, I'll use them when like I'm having a lot of problems with a boss where like it's the poison boss. I need to like drink a lot of like poison resistant stuff or something like that. But like, I think I've literally popped a Mibu balloon in Sekiro once just to see what it did. And I have like not used them for the, like the whole of the game. And like I just, all the items, I just don't fucking care. And that's the same thing with every souls game. But the thing that every other souls game does is that it like gives you itemization that change the sort of core loop enough where it feels like you're still making progress in like a way. And so it means that like, Oh, I'm going to go explore around this corner and like, I'm going to find a cool, like weapon that'll make it feel different to play. It's not going to be like a, like a consumable or something that I can just use. I don't care about I'll like get a new sword or like in bloodborne. It's like, I'll get some cool weapon that like makes my play style feel different. And in Sekiro, it's like always a fucking Mibu balloon. And it's like, it's, there's never like, because the game is like so laser focused on like, you are playing it this way with a Katana. There are in like the, um, the like prosthetic arm stuff I think is sort of where the variation comes in. But even then it's like, you're sort of like picking a tool going in and then you're not really switching them out during the fight unless you're like a total madman. Um, So this is the thing. And there's also not a lot of them. There's like, like I'm, I think I'm pretty close to the end of the game. I'm like a few, I think I'm a few areas away and it's like, yeah, I got like some cool prosthetic arm stuff, but like, so much of the game feels like it's about like you fighting people with a katana mostly. And the fact that it's like that, but then at the same time, you're not getting like the sort of the the mystery that makes it really compelling to move through uh, like a souls game. Often it's sort of, it, it feels like it wants you to move forward for the story, but I don't necessarily find the story super compelling. And like, there's not like, I'm not looking forward to getting cool items that like change how I play. So I'm just sort of like doing it now because I like want to finish it, but I'm not like hooked on any specific part of it that feels great. Last thing I'll say, and then you can say something. 
I do wish that more of the game was like the Genichiro fight. I think that like what was sort of cool about that fight a lot was that um, there, it, there was like a very sort of solvable path for that fight where it was very much like, I will do this and you should do this. And it's like the very sort of direct, like checking your execution. I think what like sucks about other bosses in Sekiro is that they're actually like way more mixed up than Genichiro. So it's like, you have to watch so closely and, and like Sekiro punishes mistakes so hard that it's really hard to like get a handle on battles that just kind of eating it a few times where you can kind of start Did you fight the guardian um, ape yet. I got to the ape and then I was like, I think I'm too low level for this. And then I turned around and went to, I don't know how to say it. Simpu temple. Um, and then I just got the thing. I got to go like, go to the snake room okay. and stuff. Yeah. Cause this is what I'm talking about with like the weird stuff where like, I think I had got to the ape first even, and then realized that I had, hadn't actually gone up Ashina castle to fight Genichiro. Mm. And then I was like, Oh, I'm like way out of order here. And I've got to like, I like brought up the fucking FE extra life guide progression guide to be like, I think I'm missing something. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, there's like all this other shit that I just like totally missed. Yeah. The Gen the um Genichiro fight is the fight that teaches you how you're supposed to play the game. And then the Guardian yeah. Ape fight is the one that says, like, um, sorry, but none of that applies to this fight. <laughs> Which is <laughs> it feels like a slap in the face in a lot of ways, but it's also one of the most memorable boss fights in a game to me, just because it's such fucking bullshit. It's just such a bullshit fight, dude. And I'm I'm excited for you to to face it. But I will say that with Sekiro, I think you really need to buy into its literality to understand what From Software is going for. I think, I mean, whether it works with you is one thing, but I think they are aiming for it to be a much more structured and authored experience yeah. where they're like, I need you to play the game this way. I need you to feel like this when you are fight playing this fight. And I think a big part of that, which we also, which we partially talked about, but going to a lot more depth on the bullet points episode, I would say, is that it is due to the fact that this takes place in Japan and is much more culturally specific to Japan. I think they're trying to take these archetypes and or experiences or popular tropes within Japanese media and storytelling and iconography and mythology and religion and saying like here's our spin on what this vibe is you know whether it's like puppet mm -hmm. theater whether it's buddhism whether it's um you know any sort of storytelling or tale of the of genji or heike or whatever it is they are presenting a lot of these images in a way that is a lot different from mm -hmm. the way that you might typically experience that in other pieces of japanese media and very specifically putting you into situations where you are interacting with them the way that FromSoft wants you to interact with them, which I think is really cool. I think if I had a greater understanding of that stuff, if I had had a lot more experience with that type of storytelling, I would be able to engage with the game on an even deeper level. But oh, yeah, like I feel like this game is like totally like not for me. Like I think I think especially like I didn't mean to bring up Hades earlier for this reason, but like there's a reason like Hades resonates with like an American audience because it's tying into all the sort of myth and legend and stuff that we've just like known and internalized since the dawn of our educations and like the Western society. 
And I think that like, I mean, I do not know, but I would not be surprised to find that like, there's a similar sort of like cultural resonance that's happening with Sekiro and people who have familiarity with its like reference points where it's like hitting in a way that like seeing like Dionysus be this like gay party goer in Hades is kind of this like really interesting interpretation of this motif that has been like, you know, not that for so long. And like, like something like the folding screen monkeys. I'm like, like I, I know the phrase like, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. I have no idea if that's like attached to this like thing that they're calling back to, but it feels like if that sort of resonance was there where I was like, oh shit, like I know about this stuff and it's so cool to see the way they kind of do this or like, like, cause like right now, like decisions, because I, I lack that cultural context, the decisions about what is like meant to be resonant are like totally lost on me. Mm-hmm. So like in like the, the monk area, right? Like the, um, the monks that like turn into centipedes or whatever, like centipedes come out of them. Like that decision from my perspective feels like totally arbitrary. It's like, okay, well like it's a fucking monk and they, they chose a weird insect, but it's like, I would Reed not be surprised to find really amazing insights on this section. Like particularly, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because if you like, if you think about what's happening in that section, there's like some really authored stuff that is like, uh, there's a moment where literally God talks to you something like that like as you're entering it's like why are you here it's like this place is evil like you should not be here or something like that like which is not something that happens in these games you know yeah that that, that's sort of like what i'm getting at right it's like seeing the centipede and being like oh i'm sure that like this means something more like from software like i'm not saying that they've like made a bad game by any means like every like every like they have the most attention to detail for like every narrative thing they do in their games. And so like they're, it it, it like never feels like any element in those games is like out of place or like unconsidered. Like if it is in there, it is in there because it has some like narrative meaning. And I think that before for these other games, I could rely on the sort of gaps that existed in the narrative. Cause like they were building the whole, they were building a whole world for everyone like everyone meaning that like people who no one comes into dark souls one knowing about dark souls one. I mean, you do now maybe, but like you have, they're building the whole thing from scratch and they're not having to pull from some sort of resonant concepts outside of like Tolkien-esque fantasy. So the idea of Sekiro is kind of like starting from a different starting point that I don't have. And I think that like, I mean, shout out to them for fucking doing it. I think it's such a cool thing to like say, Hey, let's like take this culture and like, just fuck it up and make it like real weird, but do it with the knowledge that like, this is the first time people will see this sort of thing interpreted this way. But that said, I'm still a fucking white dude from South Georgia who like did not have any sort of rate, like upbringing that is even close to any of this stuff. So a lot of it sort of feels like I'm like feeling around in the dark and it's like, I don't really know. Is this supposed to mean something? I like, think that's what's going this on. Is the, this yeah. is the quiet brilliance of Sekiro, right? Because to me, this is how you engage with any media though, dude. Think about it. dude. If you watch a movie from another country, you do the legwork afterwards to do some research. Or if you're reading a book that's by some yeah, author, yeah, yeah. like you know that you're not getting at it all of what's you're supposed to be getting at it because you're not of that culture. And so that's what encourages you to learn more about this and engage with it at a deeper level. Sekiro, it kind of requires you to do that in a way that a lot of other video games don't. 
because I'm, I'm also trying to think of an analog for what's happening with Sekiro, which is you got this studio that has essentially made games about, you know, Western mythology and folklore yeah. and whatnot, but it has left these very intentional, large blank spaces for you to fill in yourself. And that they, they like that ambiguity because they are themselves not of that culture. And so are giving you this like space to interpret that with their lens. And then they go on to make this game that is very specifically Japanese playing with a lot of specifically Japanese tropes and themes. And yet the game is so clearly authored in a very controlled Mm -hmm. and monotonous way at points. And I think that's just begging to be read into at a deeper level, which is something that I think a lot of games are too afraid to do. That's, that's the, this game is culturally challenging in a way that a lot of games are incapable of doing, which is another reason why I liked that. It's like, it is taking the difficulty of dark souls and understanding what's happening in playing the game itself. And instead of having that be an ambiguous thing saying, Hey, we have these very specific things to say and making a very different experience that actually requires you to do a lot more legwork as a reader, as Mm -hmm. a person who's trying to interpret this work, which I think is why at first it can come off as being a little bit more obtuse or impenetrable than something like dark souls, which is already pretty obtuse and difficult to penetrate. So I think that's one of the, to me, that's one of the strengths of the games of the game and shows a potential path forward culturally for video games in an era where we talk about how culture seems dead when it comes to video games. Like it is bringing that difficulty curve to the interpretation mechanism, which mm-hmm. is sick, which is dope to me. Like that's so cool. Um, there are some sequences where I think it just works without you really having to read further into it very much, um, where you just feel like a fucking cool ass ninja. And that's <laughs> where I, th- the, that what pulled me into want to do more of that reading. I think the Orin of the water fight is the main one for me. I don't know if you've done that yet, but when you do let me know. I don't think so. Did you do the centipede? Doesn't, doesn't the, 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 te- the I have a centipede. You have? No, I think like the, I'm like at the, um, I have to like fight the ape and then there's a place where like the snake is like blocking the door and I just unlocked the ability to like do the control thing to like get the snake to not block the door. And I feel like there was like one more long arm centipede giraffe. You fought this guy? (laughs) I don't think so. That's the, that's a fight that I very memorable. Like there's like, felt like snake eyes whoever it was like two of them that was in the, like gun the guy fort. cast that hell, was in the gun spells. fort right yeah the women of the gun fort yeah 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 i remember that one that was a that was a rough one when she hooks you you can actually parry that if you do it at the right time even though it's like an uncounterable i did that on ac- accident once yeah i just like wrecked her with the fucking poison um mm. blade i would prosthetic tool Th- those things gave me trouble throughout the entire game so you yeah. gotta fight that long arm centipede giraffe that's a fucking crazy oh yeah fight. i also got to like the misty forest like it's, it's weird because like like i was saying it's not like 
Bloodborne or Dark Souls where it's like there's like two paths and you can kind of like consecutively push forward. It's like there's sort of a lot of paths that's hard to go. Actually, one thing, one thing playing Sekiro, I mean, I said this, I said this the last podcast as well, but like, I'm like just consistently surprised and like delighted with how good from software is at like vertical level design. Like it gives me like a lot of hype for something like Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. Because I think that like it's so easy to design on like a 2D plane, which they've obviously said that they've like shown they're good at with like Bloodborne and um like Dark Souls and that that sort of thing. But to like actually see them like go 3D and like be in fucking Ashina Castle and be like, this is a fucking castle. Yeah. Like fuck. Like there's like there's like meaningful interaction happening across like 10 to 20 stories of like map. Yeah, and the zip and that is pretty is- fucking wild Sick. yeah like it's just like i don't think i've ever played a game where there was so much like considered density on like the fucking y-axis it's pretty it's pretty nuts um that's like that's like the, the honestly the most amazing thing about the game for me is like despite it not having this sort of like looping you know dark souls trademarked game structure the fact that they're able to like do so much with vertical space um it's like fucking sick. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of it reminds me of Doom can, 2016 where you're yeah, like yeah, jumping yeah, yeah. up and, you know, killing guys that are a floor below you or they're chasing you. So you go up, that's your only way out. And then you come back down and you're playing this ring around a Rosie type thing. Um, yeah. Sekiro has that, but like the way that it feels like it's supposed to be done, which is wild from a, from a, a studio where, that had only done like super heavy combat prior. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it feels like it's just, it's wild. Like, I feel like, especially with something like the, um, the, uh, I don't know what it's even called. The like grappling thing. I don't know what it's called. The like you pull yourself, yeah, you, know, you yeah. jump up, whatever, whatever that thing. I don't know what it, the like there, there's like is. a way where like every single other game that has something like that is like, you can choose to go over the door instead of under it wow like that's the extent of the interaction Mm. for that thing because like if you really go all the way with something like that you can really easily break your game or you can just kind of fucking zip around everywhere Sekiro's like what if you can just fucking zip around everywhere but also we like actually consider the spaces you can zip to so like every every level that's like vertical has got like three or four ways that you can like get up some of them being zipped and then some of them being like on the ground, like walking up sort of staircases and stuff. Uh, and it's just like, it's just fucking nuts. It's like, it's, it's legitimately just like really amazing. Curious yeah. to see where you end up, um, where you end up on Sekiro because you, where I land. you still do, you still have some of the more memorable stuff in that game to me. And it still it has a way like to like go a, as far as weirdness is concerned. That's sort of what I'm excited about. It's because it seems like it's getting more weird. Yeah. And I think for a long time it was like, I don't it's fucking samurai fighting samurai shit. Like I don't care. Um It gets weird, bro. But it's weird. It's getting it's getting weirder and I'm 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 digging I'm digging the weirder it's getting. Yeah. The real question is if I'll finish it uh in the next whatever three days before <laughs> Elden Ring comes out. <laughs> oh yeah. Which, you know, maybe. 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 Maybe next time we do this podcast, we'll be living in a post Elden Ring world. Yes, we will. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll um, play it. Yeah, I'm excited for that. 
not like I'm not like super hyped for that. It's I don't like I don't know. I don't get hype for I only get hype for certain kinds of games now. This is not one, but I am excited to just like it'll be the first Dark Souls game where I'm playing it when it's first out. Because mm. I've had a lag time on all the other ones. I didn't even know it was a Souls game until not that long ago, to be honest. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's why people are so excited for this. I saw. That's why people I saw, care. It was yeah. like, it was like, like a 20 minute gameplay preview trailer, like maybe four months ago. And I was like, this game just looks like a Dark Souls game. <laughs> but open world. <laughs> uh, it's even made by From Software. What the fuck? They're just they're just making Dark Souls again. <laughs> oh oh wait yeah, that's actually like pretty much exactly what happened. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah. we'll see. You want to wrap it up? Yeah yeah. Anything else to talk I about? I think I'm good. I think I'm Gucci. I'm good. I'm Gucci. We got some games ahead of us. Yeah. Um, I got, yeah. Also, uh, yeah. you know, some housekeeping stuff. If anybody's trying to go, uh, we might have a little bad end LA meetup a couple weeks. If anybody's interested, Ooh. let me know. If you're not on the Discord, tweet at us. DM us on Twitter. Uh, we can give you, maybe give you some deets. Um, just thought I'd give that shout out. Josh's kickback. You want to come to the kickback, the bad end kickback. I don't know. Every <laughs> bad end person I met in real life is, is cool in their own special way. <laughs> There's even been some like unsanctioned uh, bad end hangouts where no bad end hosts were pregnant. It was pregnant. It was present. <laughs> um, I know I wasn't. That was just like people from the people from the discord just meeting up mm -hmm. just bad enders being bad enders um yeah. but yeah anyway we're bad in podcast all right this is episode 112 thanks for listening thanks for ch chilling with us for a bit hope you enjoyed the convo if you did you can be a part of our discord by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash bad end. You can get access to our video podcasts live as they happen and leave some comments and chill out with us. David says, you guys got a cool windswept hair look going today. Thanks, David. This game looks oh, sick, you. referring to strange horticulture, I believe. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, we are part of Superculture Network. Follow our buddies on there. You can also talk with them on our Discord as well it's for the whole superculture. Uh, if you want to email us, badendpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us, badendpod, at badendpodcast. Um, rate us and review us on iTunes. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Later. Bye, everybody.